Ite fano, ite pakangaho, kiti atu ite poor. Hoi ki hai aho imati, norera takahia tiriro, kiraro io koto tapuai. Kau kiti pfakapono, hei poai pakeho koto imuriake nei. Waiho kia kakati tinamu, ite farangi o te pukapuka. Hei konei ka tahuri atuai. Kei takahia e koto ngā papa, ponamu, ao koto tupuna e takoto nei. Titiro ki ngā taumata o te moana. To my fano, I challenged God last night and survived. Therefore, I call upon you to control your aggression and hold fast to the faith, lest you become subservient to the Pākehā before long. Pay attention to any changes that should occur to the agreements in the pages of the Treaty of Waitangi so that they may be challenged to ensure that the mana of your forebears is not affronted. Look beyond the horizon of the ocean in your efforts to seek settlement of issues. E ngā mana, e ngā reo, e ngā kārangatanga maha o ngā hau e whā. He mihi atu ki a tātou katoa, ko Justin Maria hau, ko tēnei te hōtaka a te ahikā i te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And I'm Maraia Rakraku, and this is Te Ahikā, Radio New Zealand National's Kaupapa Māori Programme. This week we're profiling Māori who are taking on new technology while referencing their past. How many of us can say we've got 45,000 fans? Well, Ngāti Kahunganu Dre Haronga can. He's created a YouTube channel that's getting a lot of attention. I got quite a few hits for that first video and it just basically exploded from there. I had, you know, 400,000 views. Um, my inbox just got flooded with emails saying make the next video and so, yeah, as each new video uh, as I released each new video, I just it just became more and more popular. For te taurewa birul, being gay or takatāpui has led to discrimination. I even got challenged on the marae when I went back for my koro's um, funeral. You know, I heard on the other side, um, tuhoi don't call on at night. So I got there late, after six, it was getting night. So one of our things is to grab a nephew or a niece and they will take you on the marae after dark. And I knew that, you know, yes. so that's why I took my nephew and I could walk straight over. When I was walking over with my nephew over the marae out there, I heard one of the boys on the other side say, oh, that's that faggot, hey? <clears throat> so I'm on the marae out there and when you're on the marae out there, that is the place for warfare, hey? Mm. That is the umapukapuka atumatonga. And that is the place for warfare. So I says, bro, I'm at the right place. Come on, bring it on. The former Māori television presenter tells us how his knowledge of tikana Māori has helped him deal with homophobia. Also on Te Ahika, Evelyn Kawiti, one of the descendants of the 18th century military strategist Teruki Kawiti. It's a great big tubular shape, column, like a round shape. And the um, coloured rods, the coloured blocks spiral from top to bottom and it's all uh, all it describes is Kawiti's speech to his whanau it's a famous speech and because he's my tūpuna he's my great 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 grandfather I felt that was quite appropriate to uh, to have his work portrayed Evelyn references her great 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 grandfather's life and work in her art she sure does 
Let's get into it. Kote mea tuatahi, Chad Hurley, Steve Chen and Jawad Karam. These names may not mean much to you, but they're the guys that created YouTube. It's fair to say that the video channel YouTube is one of the most highly used sites on the internet. In 2006, YouTube was bought by Google for, get this, over one and a half billion dollars. From music videos to, well, everything really, chances are it'll be there. So how does a young fella, Rangatahi, who grew up in fielding, earn a cult following on the side? Well, he created his own comic video series, Draytown. It's based on an existing story called Maple Combat. It follows two heroes who meet ghouls and monsters along their path. Ida, and I remember how in the spacey parlours the average games were 20 cents and the good ones are 40 cents. Dre explains to Justine what the game is all about. Maple's, Maple Story... The game is an online role-playing game in which, um, you know, you create a character, a little 2D pixel, basically, and you go around fighting monsters to gain experience and level up. And, you know, you can be a magician or a, um, a hero fighter. And so I took that game's concept of um, classes and heroes and stuff, and I basically manipulated it so that I could tell a story. And mm. That's what Maple Combat is. Maple Combat is based off the game, Maple Story, but it involves a lot more action, and it's yeah, it's basically targeted towards players who um, who know who know what Maple Story is. But then again, I have had emails from people saying they've never played the game, and they watch my videos, and all of a sudden they're uh, quite interested in, in the game itself. Tell us, what is Dre86? About four years ago, I decided to play around with an animating software, or sorry, video editing software called Adobe Premiere. And basically what I did was I just mucked around on it, just uploaded a, a quick... Um, animation uh, based on a game called Maple Story, which is really big in America and Asia. And yeah, uh, I got quite a few hits for that first video and it just basically exploded from there. I had, you know, 400,000 views. Um, my inbox just got flooded with emails saying make the next video. And so, yeah, as each new video uh, as I released each new video, I just it just became more and more popular, and yeah, and that's how I've become so I guess successful on YouTube. Yeah. So you type in YouTube.com and then you and then I typed Dre86 in the search box, yeah, um, which is D R A Y in the number 86, and then I clicked the top video icon, which, which brings up a, a thing called Dre Town. Yeah, so, oh, that's that's my channel. That um that link will take you to my the home my home yeah um on YouTube um which is called a channel and um yeah are they trailers from movies? Is it just kind of like giving a couple of minutes worth of um this cool video you created? Is that is that where the Dre eighty six is that what it's about? My channel is based off. A, a video game that's really popular in uh, un the United States and Asia. And what I've done is I've taken the sprites, uh, which are little pixels uh, yes. of the characters and stuff, and I've just animated it in a unique way to 
tell a story and yeah base the story I've created is about two young guys who uh set off on an adventure and if you uh search maple combat you'll 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 understand what I'm talking about so you've kind of added your own twist on it yeah because I'd... they seem like they're games from the 80s <laughs> like uh, like yeah. you know Wonder Boy and um games that are reminiscent of the big 80 Space Invader games <laughs> <laughs> really well kind of which, which video were you looking at? Um, I was looking at um, one of the Maple Maple Combat, which yeah. I was thinking, oh, cool, this is kind of like Mortal Combat. Yeah, oh, um, well, that's you know, where the name came yeah, from. Yeah, Maple Combat, and then it had Maple Combat 7, yeah. and I just pushed play. Yeah. And it had, like, um, two little characters with yeah. um, bubble speeches, and then they're kind of chasing each other yeah. for about a couple of minutes. And so, yeah, I mean, it was highly entertaining. <laughs> Thank you. Well... <laughs> Uh, the thing is, as of lately, I've been more focused on, um, you know, starting a career. And um, as I say on my channel, I'm moving to Auckland soon to um, start my new job. So I haven't really had much time mm. to uh, finish my series. It's about three or four episodes uh, until it's finished. You know, I've had the whole storyline planned in my head from the get-go. And, um, yeah, yep. I've got a cult following of people who just demand... <laughs> Each episode, it's, it's quite chaotic. So when you talk about, you know how we watch um, animated movies and the producers and directors behind the scenes, they create storyboards. Is yep. that kind of what you do in your room? You know, nah, create storyboards. Just, I just sit down and I just put it all on screen. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I taught myself how to edit and animate. And, um, you know, the storyboards are already in my head. I did read that um, it was New Zealand's um, most subscribed, most subscribed yeah. channel. It's yeah. pretty cool, eh? Yeah, that's it's like uh, quite shocking to be honest. Uh, I had no intentions of uh, you know being this big. In fact, I, I still can't understand why I'm so. Why I've got so many subscribers. Personally, I don't. You know, I just I'm just uploading these things for fun. It's and to be number one is just a, you know. Cool achievement. So what started as kind of like, oh, yeah, cool, I think yeah. I'll just upload um, the Adobe program and do some stuff on there. It's become a cult following. I just thought, you know, oh, I'd upload it. So just, I just wanted to test my abilities, really, because um, the game itself, like, uh, if you've played the game, um, you know, you're a little 2D character and you just battle against monsters. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, it is quite, uh, I think it's targeted between you know, 11 and 18-year-old uh, players. Andre, being, being Māori, being a young Māori at that, represent. are there more Māori <laughs> <laughs> um, male or female or Māori people out there who are kind of moving towards technology and, and, and computer software games and all that sort of stuff? I don't know too many people, uh, too many Māoris that, that do it. Mm. But, uh, I mean, it's fair to say that technology is... Slowly fa oh, and fast becoming definitely. YouTube, yeah. Facebook, and and, and tw oh, gone. Do you tr <laughs> like? Are you a t are you a computer geek? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it depends how you clarify it. <laughs> I yeah. guess you could call me a computer geek, but I don't know. <laughs> so, like, I'm just trying to imagine, Andre. Are you? Do you have all the fastest computers and the? Nah. 
Now, I mean, my computer is about, I don't know, three years old. And back in the day, it was really good, but now it's not. Um, yeah, I've kind of fallen off the keep up to date with hardware and stuff. But yeah, I mean, my computer is definitely, um, you know, standard for today's mm. technology. So what um, would the average drone need um, to um, to do what you do? Oh, I don't know. A computer between $1,000 should quite comfortably do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a super computer to do what I do. But, it, yeah, it does It does help, um, especially when you're rendering huge projects. Okay, so Andre, you graduated with a degree in business um, from Massey University. But the cool thing about that is that you, you graduated with, um, was it 143 other Māori students? But um, your family you know, have all gone back to, well, some of them have gone back to university. And your koro, um, Te Harawira um, Harunga, yeah. tell, tell tell me about him and, and his significant achievement last year. Uh, his, uh, how he got his master's degree? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was really cool. The family was pretty stoked about that, eh? Um, yeah, no, he's been a big influence on me, especially growing up. I mean, I've I've just lived down, I've just lived down the road from him. Um, all my life, pretty much, and yeah, he's influenced me, supported me financially. He's yeah, he's great. I read that he was seventy-four when he um, got his masters last year. Yeah, that's like that, yeah. man, isn't that cool? That's so cool. Eh? Wow! And then your aunties. I read that your aunties, Raina, Ngaire, and Pania, they were also motivated to go back to uni, and they got they got their degrees as well. Yeah, yeah, they all they all went to university and got their degrees. Um, I think in our family it's quite quite important to have a good education, and I think that's why most of us are headed towards that direction. So, Andre, okay, let's let's talk serious stuff now. Um, on your on the Draytown page, uh, it had the simple blurb that said, "Really busy, off to Auckland soon, got a job." Yeah, <laughs> that's what you wrote on the array. Yeah, I have to like I have to keep my subscribers and fans informed <laughs> of what I do because yeah, yeah. Uh, what you don't see on your page is um, that I have over four thousand one hundred unread personal emails. <laughs> And uh Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I should thank myself that you were answering mine today. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I don't answer them all. In yeah. fact I, I really answer them. It's too much. Too um, much, too much. Yeah. So you know, I'm moving to Auckland. Can you tell us start. more about your job? Yeah, well, I'm starting a new job um at a company called DPS, Direct Payment Solutions. It's a it's a entry level IT position and yeah, I can't wait to start because the foot in the door, and yeah, I've always wanted to live in Auckland. Now, even though you graduated with a degree in business, um, yep. Andre, your your skills, obvious skills in, yep. in computer application, I mean, yep. is that something that you want to lean towards in the future? Well, yeah, I did do a business degree, um, but I don't know if you know, I majored in information systems. Oh, right, yeah. okay. While my degree has a huge business focus, um, it does also tend towards um, information technology side of things. Mm. But um also must note that what you see on my YouTube channel, um, you, I didn't learn that at university. I taught, my, in fact, I taught all of it myself just over the years. Clever. Just a, kind of like a hobby. 
what what is the future of J eighty six? Do you still um, are you still going to maintain that channel? Mm. Are you going to improve it? Are you going to change the storylines? Uh, well, one of my goals is to finish the Mobile Combat series. Um, yeah, once once that's finished, um, I don't I honestly don't know what's going to happen to the J eighty six channel. I I'd love to say I'd I want to keep working on it, but you know. It, it is a lot of time and a lot of effort goes um, that goes into each of those episodes, and you know, without financial support of any kind, it you know it becomes kind of a, a burden. Uh, yeah, but, you've you know, created I a monster. I, <laughs> you've created literally a monster, the beast. I like. I love to do it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm at that stage in my life where I've got to focus on um, just my you know, my well-being, because, yeah, yeah I, Six is was my university side kind of project that I did while I was studying, and now that I've finished, time to get to work. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, time to, uh, you know, enter that rat race in Auckland and knuckle down, I suppose, knuckle but, down, yeah. I mean, does, does that mean you'll, you'll um, disappoint a lot of subscribers? Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but... But hey, yeah. you know, it's it's, oh, it's about yeah. Dre, I suppose. I, eh? You never know, you never know. I could, you know, maybe Peter Jackson will pick me up and <laughs> we yep. can sort something out. The next Peter Jackson, eh? Watch this space. Nati Kahununu, Dre Haronga. I'm Maraya Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and you're listening to Tiahika on Radio New Zealand National. <laughs> Like the Battle of Little Bighorn and Passchendaele, Rua Pekapeka in Northland has earned its place in the history of famous battles. Rua Pekapeka is the place, but is also the name of the Pātū Watawata, or Defence of Pā, where the British were defeated by Teruki Kawiti in what was one of New Zealand's most significant battles. Three generations later, an artist Evelyn Kawiti references the 1846 battle and indeed the words of her great-great-great-grandfather, Māori military leader Teruki Kawiti, in her work. Last week on Te Ahika, she told us how her lack of te reo Māori influenced her. Today we're talking maths, coloured rods and how the words of her karaua shaped a sculpture in Whangarei. When you're researching <coughs> through your art practice, um, you can choose not to, or you can choose to uh, to look into your background. In my case, uh, it's an inherent, so I can't help but comment on something in my past about something about my past. So yes, I definitely had the um, the fact that I couldn't speak it. It really came to the fore when I looked into into language and in, in, as a as a medium because it is closely tied with visual art. so um, I... Can you explain that? As I was um, <clears throat> researching through my second year, I think I picked it up. Uh, when I, In my first year, I, I, uh, I was quite raw with the Treaty of Waitangi in the background and all the injustices and the issues, and I'm sure that uh, um, most artists have been touched by that, Māori ones anyway. The second year, I started to hone my, my ideas down to 
what became uh, something about language. I looked at how Māori lived, their their um, their the community way of living. I looked at um, contemporary issues, and I compi- combined the past with the, with the present. So it, that's how the language idea came up. In my third year, I look at looked at the Rako method. Language is just a dear, a, something dear to me. I don't know why, but it is. It's there. And the Rako method was uh, something I started to learn in my early years before while I had my children and I started to learn that with uh, Waihoroi Shortland's wife Rahera at Auckland Teachers College but then I, a job came up so I stopped I wished I'd have continued because she, sp- she taught the, t- the Rako method then. Very keen to learn today or then. So what you're talking about the Rako method, you're talking about the method of learning te reo Māori that's called te atarangi. Uh, correct. Right and that's where people use coloured um, well, when I was going to school, there were those maths blocks, yes. coloured um, sticks that you use to um, to learn the colours, to learn times, to learn to learn te reo Māori. That's correct. Uh, I was brought up at school using the uh, Cuisinier rods with for maths, but never ever was it used at the school that I attended, which was a native school. It wasn't used to teach te reo Māori. So I remember that from my past. So it's a curious mixture of English <laughs> or Pākehā, um, Pākehā education and having that, that um, Māori uh, heritage. So they keep coming back back to you as you look at things. And since this degree was about a gift, I've, I've, I love, I know... Uh, it's, it's a gift I have of drawing, so I thought, right, I'll go and do a degree, and um, it kept coming back. So they inha- they intertwine, so your ideas intertwine, and, and when it comes out in the visual form, uh, everything gets remembered. And so I've used the coloured blocks. I when I made the sculpture, I didn't know. I don't know the method, how, uh, how it's taught. <laughs> so I used uh, modern technology, and that was my cell phone has numbers and letters on the keypad, and that's how I worked out the code for the particular piece of sculpture that I made in uh, 2007. And what's that sculpture piece, Evelyn? That's called uh, Kawiti's Po, and it's now up in <coughs> the Whangarei Museum. It's housed up there. It's about four metres high. And the coloured blocks spiral down from the top to bottom of that that's, that pole. It's, a, it's like a column. It's a circular, uh, circular. It's a great big tubular shape, column, like a round shape. And the um, coloured rods, the coloured blocks, spiral from top to bottom. And it's all, uh, all it describes is Kawiti's speech to his whanau. That he mentioned, he he spoke at Glen Burvey in the 1840s. It's a famous speech, and because he's my tupuna, he's my great 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 grandfather. I felt that was quite appropriate to, uh, that was worthy to put his his work to be able to. Uh, just an honour to have his work portrayed 
you know, it brought back to me, well, who I am, who I am, and um, it's trying to connect him and my language together. Now, what was the speech about? The speech is about uh, he's talking to the whanau, uh, to the whanau, to his people. He's talking about, um, I suppose they're all pretty, pretty bloodthirsty in those days. And he's, that's just my opinion, <laughs> because when I read it, he says, control your aggression and hold fast to the faith, faith. hold fast to the faith, um, lest you become subservient to the Pākehā before long, um, <clears throat> and pay attention to any changes in, that occur to the agreements in the pages of the Treaty of Waitangi. So, what time are we talking about, Evelyn, that he said that? 1840s. About, so he said uh, this post-Treaty of Waitangi signing? Yes, he did. Was he a signatory to, to the Treaty of Waitangi? Eventually, he was. He wasn't one of the, he he wasn't one of the first ones to sign. He was very reluctant to sign it, actually. Uh, but his people urged him to sign it. Eventually, he did upon their urging. Um, he signed it much later than the other chiefs. He didn't sign it at Waitangi. He signed. I'm not sure where he did sign it, but when he did, he put his name at the top. Just to um, just to show people that he meant business, and he uh, he's just well, he's a rangatira of standing, and um, and he's just showing his leadership and his mana. So was he eloquent in Te Māori and in English? Extreme. I don't know about English, but he's extremely eloquent in Māori. There's no written record that he did speak English. So the cordial that you included in the sculpture, that was translated from the Māori. The cordial that I included in the, that I made in that sculpture is translated into Māori. Yes, I made up my own code. <clears throat> it starts off itifano itipanga aho kitiatu itipoa. So I I had different colours to. For each different phrase, mm-hmm. um, with the Atarangi method of learning Te Reo Māori, mm-hmm. there are coloured rods of different sizes. Yes, and so if you're learning a, the whole idea is that the colour will trigger the memory of the word. So if That's you're learning correct. a karakia, for instance, so Atua, you may have okay a green rod is e, yes, e. that's right. Uh, maybe a yellow rod is te. An atua would be maybe it's a red and an orange rod. And then if you were to use those rods to spread out on a large space, mm-hmm. the whole karakia, ete atua, ete matua, and tamia, 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 just have mm-hmm. it going on, the different rods placed in place of words will trigger the memory of what that word is. Correct. And so what you're saying, what you did in your sculpture piece, is you coded it yourself, yes, dependent on the colours, and that's how you formed the, the, the sculpture. I, d- I did, yes. And also that the uh, rods, as I remember in mathematics, the um, size and the colour mean, mean a number. So I worked it out as one would on a graph. And each square would represent a letter. Before, yeah, it was quite a lot of preparation beforehand. So each square represented a letter and a number. So I would have one, 
I've I've seen this done with Tarnikor. The girls and I did to to a point would work it out. We'd have numbers down on the left hand side, and you'd have numbers across the the grid, almost. So I was working it out on a grid. So each number corresponded with a letter. You must be very good at maths. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> because that's that's what Tarnikor is really all about, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. That fine art of weaving that you have when those patterns are so intricate. You know, yeah, Tiny calls right. the um, the weaving that you use with your fingers when you're weaving um, strands of cotton together. That's right. And it's really about maths. You know, like it is about you maths, do it four yes. ways, this four, you know, four unders this way, two overs this way, and that's how you get the design. And that's right. did you end up marvelling at the abilities of your tupuna? Extremely impressed with their abilities, uh, especially Kawiti being a tactician, a war. Well, he's a general, really. He uh, he worked out Rua Pika Pika. Uh, what was Rua Pika Pika? Rua Pika Pika was his war pa, uh, a pa that's situated up in the north. He built it specially for war, for battle, and uh, intricate. <clears throat> planning that went into that uh, pa uh, it's mind boggling he worked everything out uh, to the letter from the uh, where the warriors would be uh, were they going to be underground and how would that the uh, tunneling system underground work uh, the the what would happen on top of the ground I think he he was the first chief to uh, to make make use of guerrilla warfare so a trench warfare more so trenching mean under under the ground or he'd dig tunnels throughout underneath in the earth and they would interlock and inter intersect with each other so the warriors knew exactly it was a tunnel maze that he built underneath the ground and so that was to, to fool the enemy, the British. And so when they came up there, they, they saw nobody, and yet there were, the place was full of people. So that's how they, <clears throat> they were successful in overcoming the British, by using that method. And that was Kawiti's idea. Not only did they have, uh, did he design the trench warfare system, he also designed... Uh, Around the par, around the perimeters of the par, these palisade, this palisade system. So he had, he'd have one lot of palisades, then he'd have a, t a trench, another lot of palisades, and a trench. Then he'd have flax. He, he, that those those poles were huge. They'd be pudiri logs, and to drag all of those up there and to, to put them into the ground would have been a massive effort by his people. And then he build a trench in between, he'd have flax to deflect the cannon. And so the the British would had a big job even just just scaling the sides of the par to get into it would be and then when they got up there they had a lot more to <laughs> a lot more um tr tr problem finding finding the warriors. Because so. it, it, um just to give that a bit more context, um, what mm. those palisades do is they give a false impression that that's the entry. 
And so um, that's what you mean by Neda, that soldiers would get over one and be, oh, you know, and then they yes. have to get over another one. What, what that does is it tires them out and it also allowed um, your tupuna, also yes. allowed him time to evacuate or to get people out of there. But being a custom-built Pa which is what a um, which is what the war pa is. There is a model up in the Auckland Museum of uh, Ruapekapeka, but it's not quite correct. And then when I listened to the corridor up there, which I did do when I researched all of this, uh, it was built by one of the British officers. So um, you know, Kao Aroha for him to have made that model, but it's not actually correct. When I looked at the way it was built. Uh, my my auntie Kenetuira Martin, she is our historian, and she's she is a uh, a noted writer in Maori and English of our Tupuna's exploits. So um, very proud of what she's come up with, and we she has held Wananga at Kawiti Marae down at the caves, and told us a bit of the history about around Kawiti and his. His pa. So I'm very proud of her. That she she translated the, the uh, she translated the uh, the books, the readings, the Tetawai's books and Tiriri's books. That Kawiti's grandson and great grandson. So I guess with all of that history in place, Evelyn, with your yes. interest in Te Reo and your need to express the loss of te reo Māori over generations, that it's almost inevitable that you should be drawing figures from the late 1800s depicted as they were from native schools. It is inevitable. When I, when I um, researched the Waimea Māori School, that's the, it started off being a native school and then it was made, uh, renamed Waimea Māori School, I see the Tiriri, my great my great grandfather. No, it wasn't. It was Maihi. Sorry, Maihi. Maihi provided his home as the first school. It was the education department hadn't hadn't got you know had, didn't have a building at the time. And I see there in the in the uh, the diary for the school that he supplied the first <laughs> supplied his home for the as the first school for the children to learn. Learn, learn education in there. So that was interesting. It's ironic, isn't it? Because many of the native schools were founded on Māori land. Yes. And they were, they were, the land was gifted to the education department for, the very, for that very purpose. Yes, extremely important that. I was quite intrigued when I read all that because I hadn't, hadn't read it before. That my tūpuna had... Uh, yes, the land was gifted to... to um, Two people. I find some of these things quite contradictory, but hey, you know, colonisation, that's it's inevitable. A lot of things are inevitable. We're going to strike it. Uh, there are a lot of. In, when I researched the uh, the drawing, the photographs themselves, you, in the book A Civilising Mission, um, you can see different excerpts from teachers and pupils, past teachers, past pupils, Māori and Pākehā of their experiences of, li- of living in, in those times and how they found uh, attending a native school. So you get all sorts of stories. And The Civilising Mission is the book that was edited by Judith Simon and Linda Tuhiwai-Smith. That's correct. And that had contributions from Fiona Cram, Margie Hohepa, 
Stuart McNaughton and Maxine Stevenson. Correct. And to date is uh, one of the better sources around the impact that mission schools had and native schools, the impact that those schools had on Māori. That's correct. I thoroughly enjoyed researching the history through that, that book. There was a one, another one called Ngākura, written by the same ladies, and I found those the most... Is that the one oh, that Cooney Jenkins... Um, um, I'm not sure about that. Because she's an old Queen Vic girl as well. She sure is. Yes, well-versed, uh, a scholar. She's she, Cooney Jenkins is one of our old girls. I'm an old girl too, but I was in later years. So um, I found those books uh, very important. I love them because I like education anyway. Art and education are my two passions as well as music. But, and so <laughs> I've thoroughly enjoyed everything. Um, <clears throat> and the little drawings... I just love doing them. Kia ora, Evelyn Kawati, no Ngāti Hine, Ngāti Parau. At our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika, T E A H I K A there are some pictures of the sculpture piece Evelyn spoke about. There's also a whole range of audio from past programs and information including how you can subscribe to our email list. I'm Justine Murray. I'm Maria Rakaraku and you're listening to Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Te Tauriwa Victor Biddle's upbringing immersed in tikanga Māori has served him well when it comes to dealing with homophobia. The former television presenter fronted a programme profiling gay Māori, which became the world's first Indigenous programme on sexual identities. The show was called Takatāpui. According to Biddle, the series made headway in raising issues not normally spoken openly about in Māori communities. Justin met Te Taurewa at a youth queer conference held in Wellington earlier this year. Ko tūhoi te iwi ko mātā tuata waka uh, he tamaitia hau no te kohu, no te urewera. Nō reira, um, ko taku nei ingoa ko Vic, Vic Biddle. Kia ora, e whakaaro e pāna ki tēnei, ki tēnei kaupapa tūturu. Kia hanga hua o roto. Well, of course the hua here... Are the, are the kids, are the teenagers. And my thoughts on them coming here today is, um, is excellent, is excellent because you look at these kids and when I was growing up you didn't have the same things as they did. Um, I see that we've paved the way for them very well because they look very comfortable with themselves, you know, not as how it was when I was growing up. Um, you were a faggot, you were everything else, you were um, uh, always pulling your mummy's skirt and all of that sort of thing. So I think with the youth today, yeah, we've just paved the way really good for them because they're so comfortable with themselves. So when you say, you know, we've paved the way, how has that journey been? Has it been a tough journey? Um, you know, what kind of struggle have you forged to make it easier for today's generation? Why I say we've paved the way for them is that they don't go through the injustices that we used to go through. It's um, they're more consistent. They're more um, in tuned with themselves. Yeah, they have. Um, you know, I say a lot of people that were growing up when I was growing up, they 
a lot of them have killed themselves. A lot of them, you know, oh, how, how can I go? Do you think that were some of the injustices? <clears throat> like, have you suffered personally because of where well, you myself, are today? Um, see, I live in Auckland and I've been there for 13 years and I moved to Auckland um, to explore this myself, you know, from, from being with women mm. most of my years. Um, 13 years ago when I went to Auckland was to check out all of this and I can't say it was bad for me because I'm pretty strong, I'm tuhoi, you know, I, I'm consistent. Um, if anyone calls me a faggot I just go, yeah, he who yells the loudest is the one who wants it the most because I used to be one of those people. I used to be on the other side, like on her side going, faggots. And that's why I always say, he who yells loudest is the one that wants it the most, because I used to be on that side of the fence. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what else. And then it took you a few years to cross that fence and be on the other side. Moving to Auckland, did you...? Well, did you... moving to Auckland, I lived with my auntie in Onihunga for a year, and then I moved into the city. That's when I started getting into um, being takatāpui. Yeah, and... Um, I really didn't have trouble, you know, even going home because of how I hold myself. You know, if anyone threw stuff at me, I would throw it straight back at them, but in a nice way. Like my mum would say, kill them with kindness. <laughs> Smother them, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the cat. <laughs> you have a, a, a facial moko, yeah. and why did you get a facial moko, and what, what purpose... God, um, it started, um, I guess, when it was seven, you know. You know how they say they show you a boy at seven, I'll show you a man. And, um, yeah, when I saw the carvings back at home, I knew straight away that I wanted a muko. But it took uh, 20-something years later for me to get it. And... um, yeah, me being me with my moko and that, you get so many... Yeah, you can't have a moko and be gay, or you can't have a moko and be a homo. Um, that's just sacrilege and all of that sort of thing. And I was getting that from our own people as well, you know, going into the men's places and actually Māori coming up saying, what are you doing in here with that moko? You know, but... Um, what like was I, your response to that? My response is always, like I said to you, kill them with kindness. You know, I, I says to the, the guy, I says to the guy, well, I'm here for the same thing that you're here for, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. My muko shouldn't have anything to do on what I do or how I am or what my sexuality is. But it's part of your identity, Māori and takatāpui. Yeah, Do you see yeah. it like that? <laughs> yeah, I see it as me as being Māori, yeah, and takatāpui, yeah, yeah, mm. they're both. I really align myself as being MSM, a man who has sex with men, yeah, then. But I do like takatāpui when it first came out, when Lee and Nahuya Te Waiwakotiku brought that name out, it was um, through... Terangi uh, Kaheke's writings in the 1800s, and he referred to Tutanekai and Tiki, the corridor about Tutanekai and Tiki. Well, you know, Tutanekai and Hinemoa, 
um, this is a Te Arawa story that was told from a Te Arawa person to me, so I hope, well, I can handle myself, yeah, if I get, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the writings that Te Rangi Kaheke put in the 1800s was that he referred to uh, Tutanekai's friend or the person that was on there on the island with him, Tiki, as he, he hoa takatapui. And that's how we got the word takatapui way back then, to utilise it for ourselves. We didn't want to utilise gay, lesbian, bisexual and all of that because it puts people in boxes. And I don't identify myself as gay. When you identify yourself as takatapui, um, you don't have to say, um, I'm a lesbian. You go, he takatapui aho, and that shows it all. So takatapui is an umbrella for gay, lesbian, um, transgender, bisexual, whatever that is out there, any sexual. Takatapui is an umbrella for it, so we don't have to use gay or homo or lesbian or anything like that. We just go, he takatapui ke aho. Mm. And that was from the writings from Te Rangi Kaheke in the 1800s in their books that they wrote. It was Te Rangi Kaheke and another old chief called Tikitu. Mm. Now, speaking of Takatapui, um, I recognise you on the Shmari television show, yes, Takatapui. So you're, you're, in, you're in television? You're in um, that type of I did the first 40 programmes for Takatapui because I thought when they picked me, I thought, okay, they're picking somebody with a moko to make a statement out there. And that was really cool because it um, softened my own people. You know how two hoyas, you know, they're really hard. Pretty staunch people. And pretty staunch people. And when they saw their own on TV with this ancient thing on his face, talking about condoms and lube and all of that, when I went home, um, the crowers took me around the back, two crowers took me around the back and they says, Ko koe te rai runga i te... The uh, tiwi. The tiwi. Motakatapui ne boy. And I was going, yeah, and what? Because I was waiting for, you know, you shouldn't clash. do that and all of that. And they looked at me and they go, good boy. We love it. It's cool. And all of that sort of thing. I even got challenged on the marae when I went back for my koro's um, funeral. You know, I heard on the other side, um, tuhoi don't call on at night. So I got there late after six. It was getting night. So one of our things is to grab a nephew or a niece and they will take you on the marae after dark. And I knew that, you know, yes. so that's why I took my nephew and I could walk straight over. When I was walking over with my nephew over the marae out there, I heard one of the boys on the other side say, Oh, that's that faggot, eh? <clears throat> so I'm on the marae out there, and when you're on the marae out there, that is the place for warfare, eh? Mm. That is the umapukupuka atumatonga, and that is the place for warfare. So I says, bro, I'm at the right place. Come on, bring it on. Then my two brothers come and back me up. Mm. I, I just kill them with kindness. It's, yeah, it makes them think. You know, yeah. <laughs> and when it comes with somebody with a moko, it makes them really think. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, you know, I would say to them, "Do you think that this wasn't around before the Pākehā came? Do you really think that? Because it was here. Mm. Because in writings about Takatapui, they were the holders of knowledge, they were the holders of, um, you know, of arts and all of that sort of a thing. So we had a place in society." 
way back then. Can't blame. Mm. What do you hope to get out of this conference? Out of this conference, you know, these kids just um, baffle me because it's so... Um, they're not kids, they're teenagers. They're yeah. teenagers, they're young adults. Yeah, they're not kids. <laughs> they're young adults. But um, what I get out of this is, um, is a lot of joy from listening to all the stories and how, how easy the road is for them now. You know, they don't have to go through the things that we used to go through. Well, I can't say that I went through many things, but, you know, I know a lot of people went through a lot of things because of how adamant I am and how I am. You know, if you want to puncture my skin, you better make sure that you've got cordial to back yourself up. Because if you do that without cordial, I'm going to make a big hole in your skin. Te taurewa biro nō tūhoi. Anaya Evelyn Kawiti, me te whakamarama a te whakatauki nei. Ko Evelyn Martha Kawiti, toku ingoa. Ko te ruki Kawiti o kutupuna. Ko maihi parone. Ko te riri maihi, ko te tāwai. Ko te wātane, toku papa, ko ema pani, toku whaia. Ko waiamea te rohe, toku rau te maunga, taumarere te awa. Te rāpunga te, ra- te marae, uh, media te wharenui. E te whānau, i te pakanga hau ki te atua i te pōa. Hoi ki hai a hau i mate, nō reira takahia te riro ki raro i o koutou tapuai. Kia au ki te pwhakapono, hei pōai pākeha koutou i muri ake nei. Waiho kia kākati te, te namu i te whārangi o te pukapuka, hei konei ka tāhuri atu ai, kei takahia e koutou ngā pāpa, pounamu, ao koutou tūpuna i takoto nei. Titiro kinga tomata utimwana. To my fano, I challenged God last night and survived. Therefore, I call upon you to control your aggression and hold fast to the faith, lest you become subservient to the Pakeha before long. Pay attention to any changes that should occur to the agreements in the pages of the Treaty of Waitangi so that they may be challenged to ensure that the mana of your forebears is not affronted. Look beyond the horizon of the ocean in your efforts to seek settlement of issues. Next week, as well as our usual show, we kick off Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori with a special online version of Te Ahika, which will be all in Te Reo Māori. Ai rā, a te rā wiki, ka tīmata Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori. A rā, kei rungo i tō maua e pūrangi o Te Ahika, ko Te Reo Māori te katoa o ngā kōrero. But no need to freak out. It will all be translated into English so you don't miss out on any of the kōrero. Hiwai anō, kua tai anō mātou ki te mutunga a te ahikā. He mihi tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Ki ngā kai rā wikiweke mihini, kia ora rā. Hoki mai anō a tērā wiki i tēwi. Mauri ora tātou katoa.